Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print with me, Carrie Champion. And that's right. I said season two because this time around, there's a twist on The Brown Print. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some really accomplished people, folks you've seen, maybe some folks you've never heard of before, but they always have one thing in common, how they were able to come back. I want you to be inspired. I want you to see people who are just like me and you, and they figured it out. I hope they act as a guide. I hope you feel as if you're being mentored. I hope, in fact, that you feel like you're getting direction. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print, The Comeback. One of the scariest moments of my career started on a dark October morning in 2018. A special type of fear brought me out at 4 a.m. before the sun. A fear that someone might discover a secret I'd been keeping. I was six months pregnant. I feared that I would be forced to choose between motherhood and being a competitive athlete. You think I'm exaggerating, right? How could a six-time Olympic champion, a 16-time world champion, a world record holder, possibly think that her career might be over by doing something as natural as having a baby? Getting pregnant in track and field has been called the kiss of death. Allison Felix is a legend, plain and simple. Actually, I think icon would be a better word to describe this powerhouse. She is the most decorated woman in track and field U.S. Olympic history, the first to win seven gold medals, and she's won 25 global medals at the Olympics and World Championships combined. That means she surpassed the great Usain Bolt. She's also an advocate for Black maternal health, a member of the Right to Play board, and even launched her own lifestyle brand called Sage. Allison is literally paving the way and fighting the fight for women in sports because her journey has not been easy. This is a very special edition of the Brown Print of Allison Felix. So, Allison Felix, thank you so much for joining us. It, it, it really is my honor, and you, you know that I, I've been a fan. So. I will pretend as if I don't know you and I don't know the story, but I do. But I do like this idea of sharing this story because it's one of my favorites in terms of inspiring. Um, in 2019, you wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, what it was like to be a female athlete and be pregnant. And you weren't given assurances by your sponsor, which was then Nike. And to me, you you say what everyone feels, speaking out, speaking about what's right, speaking easy and truth to power will cost you. Um, in your career, what was your breaking point? Enough's enough. I will not tolerate this. Well, you know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. So I'm Thank so excited to sit down and have this conversation with you. Um, my breaking point, I think, you know, at the time, 2018, 2019, it just seemed crazy that this was still happening. So I, I went pro at 17 years old and I had been watching this happen Um to teammates of mine, to colleagues. And I was always nervous to start a family because of what I had seen. Like I had never really seen an example of someone in our sport who had a family who was thriving and who was celebrated. But what I did see was my friends and my teammates struggle. And, you know, they would either hide pregnancies or their contracts would be postponed or they would just have a really difficult time of trying to figure out, you know, how to mother and how to also compete. And I knew that it wasn't anything to do with, you know, them not being capable, but it was all about the support. And as I got older, I started to understand even more what that meant and what that looked like. And then when it 
was me in the situation. It was just like, I ha- I've been watching this forever. Like, how is this still a thing? And how is this still an issue? And I just felt like I was in a position to be able to speak about it, um, which is rare because of, you know, you sign NDAs and all, all of these things. I think breaking point, I, I was had a daughter and it's like, I didn't want her to have to take on the same thing. And so it was just like, I deeply believed in it and it, it just felt like it had to happen. What was the response in terms of other teammates, other track stars, other athletes, other athletes who were mothers? There was an outpouring of just support and gratitude and love. I think there was this understanding of so many women before me couldn't speak out. They literally couldn't. And so I felt like I wasn't alone, you know, that people were standing with me and other others of my teammates who kicked it off and did speak out before. Um, I, I felt like, yeah, there was just the power of the collective of us coming together. The power of the collective, one of which I interviewed during the 2020, 2021 Olympics that I call it myself, um, Alicia Montano. From my understanding, she was like a broken NDA, meaning she, there were things she was supposed to not discuss. There are things you're told you can't share. And she, mm-hmm. she, as a mother, felt like she had to share her story. How intimidating or how scary is that for, for an athlete, a female athlete, a black female athlete? It's terrifying because essentially you can lose everything. So it's like, you know, do I go out, do I go out there? Do I risk it all? You know, and you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, she was a huge inspiration to me. I, I listened to her talk and share her story. And it was literally while I was going through what I was going through. And it helped me find that courage. But it doesn't take away the fear because, you know, that's just what it is. And it's a huge company. And you know that there's going to be some consequences. How do you feel about after you spoke out and others, but namely you, because you were tentpole, you were a big name. When you spoke out against Nike, this big, huge corporation, I know a little bit about speaking out against big, huge corporations. Mm -hmm. How did it, how did it land in your camp, right? With family, friends, and then business, people who were in business with you. Could you feel um, a tangible pushback? in terms of, ah, Allison, why now? I think it's amazing because I get to work with my brother. And so it's a unique situation, right? And he had gone through all of the, you know, negotiations and he had seen the treatment, how it was being treated. And I think for a second, he went from agent to big brother. And it was like that protective mode. And I think he just, he, he understood. He didn't sway me one way or another. He knew that this was something I had to decide on my own and I had to be comfortable with. I think he also empowered me and, you know, made me feel like, you know, I I know what I deserve and I know what's right. And it's it's good to speak on that. But when I thought about the other companies I represented or just other people, you know, that I, I worked with, you, you can feel that, you know, this is not, uh, you know, going up against, you know, such a big company is um, people take notice of that. And it's not, you know, such a welcoming thing. <laughs> the fear I have always felt like when I feel fear, I just embrace it. I always mm. feel like I just hold on to it and I run towards it because that's the only way in my mind, whether people agree or disagree, is for me to be comfortable mm. with it. 
What's your testimony to the aftermath of going up against Nike? Because Nike's flashy. It's the name. It's the mm-hmm. company that most athletes want to be sponsored by. The labels really put you in a different category. Walking away from that, how did you feel in terms of looking for a new sponsorship? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I felt that same way. You know, it's like, this is the pinnacle, like to reach this, it means so much. And I think after going through this experience, I just looked at things a different way. I felt like there was value in other things. And that was, you know, a a lesson that I had to learn and go through and the experience showed it to me. But it's like, there's so much more than financial value. What's more? To me, it's what you stand for. It's, you know, it's not just marketing. It's what is at the core of it and the meaning behind it. And to me, I'd much rather be partnered somewhere where I can be proud of the work that we're doing and that I can say that everything that we're advertising, that's how things are internally as well. That's 2019. We're getting ready and we're training. And by we, I mean you and I, you (laughs) only physically (laughs) doing the training. I rooting you on in spirit. (laughs) You, we are training and we're training in unusual circumstances, you know, trying to get ready for the Olympics. We don't know if it's happening. Mm -hmm. How did you land in terms of sponsorship? Where did you end up? What was the the wait period between leaving Nike and heading to who you're with currently? It was actually pretty short and it was really interesting. It happened just completely um, organically. And I was like in a going through a period where I was just, you know, so skeptical of everything. Mm. And I was just like, there's never going to be anything else that's going to be right. And I took a meeting with Athleta and I really didn't think anything of it. But we sit down and, and right away, I'm like, this feels different. I am aligned with this mission. I, I feel like it's really authentic. It felt so right. You know, they're 97% female led. And I was just like, this is where I feel I'm supposed to be. And they had reached out to me because they had read the op-ed in New York Times. I'm their first sponsored athlete. So they, you know, they weren't even doing this, but they just felt like a connection and that they wanted to support me. And so I think that just made it a really unique experience. And I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. What I'm hearing is it felt good to be appreciated. Talk to me about the difference between being tolerated at one place and appreciated and valued at another. I mean, the feeling was amazing to be able to have a seat at the table and like not just a seat, but have a voice. And that was something that I don't think I really experienced before. And um, to to be valued in in a way and so quickly that just, you know, it made me feel amazing. And, and also it I was seen as more than just an athlete for the first time. It was like they had they wanted to take this different approach and and celebrate me holistically and as a mother and um, supporting my advocacy work and, you know, finding ways that we could do things together um, on that front. It was really meaningful. There was this this season and still currently, but there was this season where I felt and kudos to your your PR team and your brother and your management. There was a season where I felt like I was logging on to Instagram and every day you had a new cover. Um, And it was (laughs) it was it was about Athleta, but it wasn't even. And then after the Olympics, it was just like, it's a wrap. She's a model. I'm done. Like my girls, (laughs) my girls out here killing the game at the Met Gala. What what hair braided up looking like a princess? All of it. I was like, I'm here for all of it. But there was this season where I felt like, oh, she's somewhere where they value her. Mm 
Mm-hmm. As you as you head into this this big Olympic campaign, there were a few faces of the Olympics and you were one of them in terms of, you know, most decorated. What's going to happen? Is this the it for her? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And you have this new sponsorship. Talk to me about preparation as a mother heading into Tokyo now in 2021. It was a lot. Um, as you mentioned before, you know, just COVID, we have nowhere to train, like literally training in the streets in front of my house and having to work from home. I, you know, created a gym in the house and it was just, it felt very chaotic. Um, but I was also very focused on my goal, my dream. I felt like I had come that far. I already been through so much adversity that it was like, we're going to make this happen. Um, but it was just, there was just so much going on and so much on my plate. But I, I really had to lean into my support system, my help and, and all of that, because it was a, a really challenging time period. What was the most challenging coming off of pregnancy and training? First of all, how do you do it? I, how did you get up and just leave the house and leave your baby? Like, I'm like, I'm good. And how did you get back to skinny is what everybody <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> Listen, it was a humbling experience <laughs> because it took time. And I think that, you know, as an athlete, like you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear anything about patience. It's just it's not what we do. And so everything that I thought it was going to be, it wasn't. I'm a planner. So I was like, okay, you know, four weeks after I give birth, I'm going to be back working out. I'm going to do this and that. And, you know, I had a very traumatic birth experience. I had a long recovery period. And then when I finally did get to a period where I could do workouts and stuff, I just didn't feel like myself. And that was scary for me. It was like, you know, running is what I've done for so long. It's, you know, it's where I know I'm the expert at. And when it felt like that was taken from me, it was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. But I eventually learned to give myself grace and that it was going to be a process. And um, I just I started to just say, okay, one day at a time, like, what can I take on today? And, you know, what can I conquer? And after that, it became a month. And then I started seeing glimpses of myself again. But I would say it was a full year after where I was like, okay, I'm finally starting to kind of feel like myself and feel good. I eventually felt like, you know, I got, um, you know, got back to that elite level, but it, it took time. You leaned into what you couldn't control, which is so difficult for people who excel at such a high level. Like if you can't control it, you just have to release it. So it sounds like you were just like, all right, I have no choice. But you said something that I don't want to skip over, a traumatic birth experience. One of the many things that you are um, campaigning for and advocating for is the advocacy in childbirth. Do you want to share your experience with us? Yeah, I have a an experience that many black women can relate to. I had a very normal pregnancy, um, didn't have any issues, felt great. I was working out. I was training um, nothing, you know, of concern. And then at 32 weeks, um, I went to the doctor for a routine appointment. And um, that's when things started getting really concerning. And so the levels were off. I was spilling protein and I was sent to the hospital and for further monitoring. And once I got there, things really started to spiral uh, out of control. I was diagnosed with a severe case of preeclampsia. Eventually, it came to a point where it wasn't safe for the baby to stay inside. And so I had emergency C-section and it was just everything. I told you I'm a planner. It was it was not what I had planned, you know, and I never imagined I, you know, a professional athlete. I just I 
I think I knew of the statistics, but I never thought that I would be in this place where my health was at risk and where my daughter's health was at risk. And so I feel so grateful that, you know, after she was in the NICU for a month that we went home as a family. But there are so many women who don't have that same experience and don't who don't live to raise their children. And it was just eye opening to me like that. This is such a huge issue um, today. I don't have the stats on it, but it's a disproportionate rate in which black women die during childbirth. You said severe case of preeclampsia. What is preeclampsia? Yeah, it's when your blood blood pressure is so high that, you know, you are at risk of losing your sight, having um, seizures um, and where it is not safe for the baby to the baby cannot continue to get what it needs um, from the placenta. And so um, and it affects black women at a disproportionate rate and black women are three to four times as likely to have complications like that or even to die in childbirth than white women. And so right away, you know, we're at risk and you need to know what to look for and um, how to advocate for your own health when there is a problem to be able to speak up about that. And that's things that, you know, you shouldn't have to do. But unfortunately, you know, we are in that situation. Serena Williams just recently wrote about that. She said very uh, your, her story is as similar as yours. You think of these world-class athletes, you think of the face of track, I think of Allison Felix, I think the face of tennis, I think of Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. And I think your case might be different because they diagnosed it, but mm-hmm. you still had to advocate for yourself in the hospital. What does that feel like during that time? How frustrating can it be if you feel like you're if you're being dismissed or your concerns are not taken seriously? Yeah, it's terrifying, you know, to be in such a scary situation and just even, you know, I know of Serena's story and what happened, but just even recently reading it again and it's just so powerful and you think we have the best care, um, you know, and I just think of women who don't even have that or don't know how to speak up or just in different situations. And so my heart just breaks and also just motivates me to, you know, raise awareness and um, to try to act on some of these things. And once again, because I need to really highlight what I think, and I'm biased, is the um, the incredible determination, the the fearlessness, the um, I still must persevere-ness, that's a word I'm making up right now, <laughs> uh, of Black women. Because you you both had difficult pregnancies and still got back to business as if it was chewing gum and walking down the street at the same time. And that is obviously by the grace of God, but we also talk about you had a baby, you had a, you couldn't train the way you wanted to. You go to the Olympics and you're under an incredible amount of pressure. Um, You have all of these things happening back to back to back to back, including the trauma of a very difficult childbirth, right? And a baby in the NICU. Yeah. How do we compartmentalize and decide it's time to get back on the track? It goes back to me and my personal experience is to our heritage, you know, and it's what I have seen growing up. My mom, my grandmother, strong black women. Um, It's just it's what we do. We find a way. And when things are, you know, 
every every place we we know how to put it back together and get back to work. And I think when I came back, I, I felt such gratitude to be able to use my body again. And I had just a different appreciation for bringing life into this world, going through a difficult experience. And so I didn't come back the same way. It wasn't that same motivation and just, you know, being an athlete, a competitive person, you know, I love to win, but it was a whole different thing at that point. It was about showing my daughter, you know, being an example for her and um, also just, you know, just knowing what I went through and and being able to get back, there was just that sense of appreciation also for my body. Was there ever a point where you're like, I don't know if I want to, if I really still want to do this? Because I hear, you know, I'm not fortunate enough to know that, but I hear that when you have a baby, you're like, eh, I don't know if I feel like doing that no more. Was there ever a point where you were like, I've done enough? <laughs> there was one moment. <laughs> I, I do remember one moment and it was when we were still in the NICU and it was just, it was so heavy being there, you know, all of the changes of the day, what a day holds and you, you don't, it was just scary and you didn't know which way things were going to ha- go. And I do remember being in Cameron's room and thinking, you know, it's the farthest thing from my mind right now. You know, like if it doesn't mm-hmm. happen, if it, if I can't get back out there, it doesn't really matter. This is what matters. My family matters, you know, being her mom matters. Um, so I did, I did have that feeling and it, it wasn't until, you know, things started to look up for both of us. I was like, okay, I still have that desire to get back out there. You had to get past the, the, the gray, the for uncertain, sure. the unknown, the tough part in order for you to be like, okay, I got it. When you just uh, got ready for the Olympics, did you feel, did you, and I don't know if finally is the right word, but did you feel like, okay, now I'm getting the respect I deserve? I did. I felt like I was appreciated. You know, I think for the longest, uh-huh. you know, when you're quiet and, you know, you're not really flashy or you don't have the drama, like it's not <laughs> that exciting all the time. Um, so it, I felt like I had purpose and people were, I think maybe because I felt like I was being a representation at that point. And I felt like people could connect with that. And I did feel like, okay, like it's starting to come together for me. Um, but I think I had come to the, the place where it was like, it's about so much more than that. That's beautiful because I, uh, my ego would be like, yeah, I told y'all I was the shit bleep and I'm tired of nobody respecting me. Was that your last Olympics? Yes. Yes, it was definitely. <laughs> Were you happy with the results? I was probably the most happy that I've been, the most fulfilled, I would say. And I that's shocking to me because, you know, I got a, a bronze in my individual event and I don't think I probably, well, I know, I have never been satisfied <laughs> with anything, you know, other than gold. But, uh, <laughs> and still, you know, I'm still like, okay, yeah, am I something? No. <laughs> But I am. And it it was because for the first time, like in my entire career, it was about more than the performance. And it was about mm. the representation. It was about overcoming that adversity. And and then I was running in shoes that my company created. And that was like, you know, that was a highlight. Like I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that that would have been taken place. And so that was even a bigger meaning. And so it was just all of these things coming together that made it just everything. 
It was a beautiful culmination, if in fact that was your last Olympics, because I know that we are a world that loves the flash in the pants and the flashy and the new and the new Mm -hmm, and the new. mm -hmm. And forgive the cliche, but you are an example of slow and steady wins the race. You have been consistent in everything all the way through. And by that, I mean, overall, you win everything overall. Like it doesn't matter what it looks like and what's trending. Company that supports you. Decorated, daughter, loving, giving back. It's just like, here we go. What else could it be? Then you go on this tour. And I don't know if that's what you call it, but I'm going to call it a tour. This brown girl to the other brown girl, it was a tour. And when I say you were not playing, you snatched everyone's soul with (laughs) these magazine covers and Met Gala. Met Gala, Jason, did you... Jason I, is, I, listen, know, everything. and I, and I called, I called your hairstylist and that's what can he do my hair? I was like, you did my hair one time, five years ago. Can you come back so and give amazing. me, I'm like, can you come back and give me that look, please? He's like, oh, boo, honey. No, no, that's, oh, we, oh, that was just for Alice. We're not, I was like, okay, I got it. You did have this wonderful commercial too that I love where you bought Cameron in. Um, and I thought that was special where you wrote a letter to her. Mm, yeah. It actually wasn't even a commercial. Was that a was that a uh, an Olympic bump? I think that was an M bump, right? Yeah, I think NBC did that. And it was so cool to be able to do something with her. And someone was cutting onions the whole time. <laughs> I don't know who was cutting the onions. Man. But every time I was like, the onions are in the house, like not a dry eye. It was so beautiful. Did you write that yourself? Yeah. Um, and it was straight from the experiences of everything. And I think when I was like so deep into, you know, training and going through the moments and everything, but to get to the moment where it's like, I'm actually, I actually made it back to the Olympics. And like, I'm looking at my daughter right here in front of me. That was just like. I feel I've already won. Like, that's what it was about. You know, that's that was the moment. That was the moment. And then she just runs to you. And I'm all like, baby girl, <laughs> this is forever. This is for history. This is for us. This is for every brown girl who has a dream. Mm-hmm. This is for every black woman who has struggled and has been told you can only be tolerated and not appreciated. This is for everyone who wants to be on their humble and re- and wait for the rewards. Like there were so many storylines that intersected with you in particular. For me, because I've watched the journey, mm-hmm. for people who've watched you, who know you, it was just really a, a win. And, and it felt... Oh, right on time. I have to ask because it's obligatory. Do do we see a life in which Cameron is running or playing a sport? I would love for her to play a sport. I would love for her to do something other than running. I imagine myself like sitting at a tennis match, you know, relaxed. And I feel like I've been to enough track meets. <laughs> so I'm trying to like push her <laughs> to something else. But I don't know. She's always at my training sessions and she's, you know, she's naturally picking up on the running and all of that. So whatever she wants to do. But I'm just saying I have I've gone to my share <laughs> of meets. <laughs> I'd like to talk about what is next for you. Yeah, so I'm doing a final season and I'm really excited about it. And it's, it's I think it's less about all of the performance and everything, but I there's some things that I feel like I can accomplish this season for, for women to make the world better for them. And that's, you know, obviously been something I'm really passionate about. And um, I feel like my voice is louder when I'm on the track, you know, competing. And so I'm going to, 
go after that and um, just enjoy it. Run at places that are really special to me one last time and be able to say goodbye. And um, I am excited with Sage, my my company, being able to continue to build that and, you know, continue to be able to try to create change um, for women. And so those are the things that are kind of yeah on the horizon right now. Talk to me about Sage and, and for the, the people who are listening. Sage is my lifestyle brand for women. And our first product has been a lifestyle sneaker. Um, a couple of days ago, we just launched our maternity returns policy, which is really exciting because um, a woman's foot can grow actually during pregnancy, a half size or even more. Rude! Yeah. And <laughs> so, so rude. <laughs> and oftentimes that change is permanent. And so um, if you have a pair of our Sage ones, we will give you a new pair in your new size for free. And so just really excited about trying to push the industry, you know, further and to not create for women as an afterthought or, you know, we've been overlooked for far too long. And so I'm looking forward to once I'm fully done to being able to, you know, continue to run, run the company. Alice and Felix are doing it on and off the field, the track field that is, and she's just amazing. I, I, I'm always so grateful to talk to you because you, you energize me and make me realize I could be a better person some way, somehow. I'll work on that. I love talking with you always. As I said in the podcast, I, I feel as if Allison is an athlete that sometimes or has been ignored in the past because of her quiet demeanor, the way in which she approaches the game. It's not flamboyant. She's not loud. But listening to her talk, it always helps me to understand who she is. So here are some of my takeaways. It's so important to be valued and not tolerated. Allison was very bold and decided, I'm leaving Nike, this powerhouse of a brand. And she decides that she is going to make a way. She didn't know how, but she was going to figure it out because they did not respect athletes who were pregnant. And I understand what it feels like to be tolerated and not valued. She gets a new company. She goes with Athleta. They love her. They give her her own lifestyle line and she's thriving. But the big takeaway is make sure wherever you decide to lay your head, you're valued and not tolerated. Also, I think this is beautiful because she's a living example of that. Be comfortable in knowing who you are. It's for some reason I've noticed when we deal with track and field athletes, especially the men, no offense, they, they have a very brash style. They're loud. Um, when you watch the Olympics, that's why track and field is one of the favorite things to watch because you're entertained by them. But Allison is truly the definition of slow and steady wins the race. She was always herself. She never stepped out of character and it pays dividends in the end as she does this farewell season of her career. The reverence, the elegance, and the respect is the first thing that you notice when people deal with Allison Felix. And last but not least, I don't even know if this is last but not least because there were so many takeaways, but consistency matters. Be patient and do the work and success will follow. Uh, I think patience is not necessarily the word when I think of her career because she has been patient. She has been able to watch others move ahead quicker, get the bigger deals, get more attention, get more time on the TV. But she always was true to the work, which was being a runner, which was being a world-class athlete on that track and that field. And she did it at the highest level, which is why she is the most decorated. But if you want a true illustration of someone who is patient with themselves and willing to do the work, that is Allison Felix. I'm really honored, if you hadn't noticed, 
to call her a friend. I learned so much from her. I can't say that there are that many athletes with that much fame and that much um, talent that are as graceful as one Allison Felix. So I thank her so much for joining us here on The Brown Print. So that's it for this week's episode of The Brown Print. Let's keep this conversation going online. That's where you can keep it a buck, as the kids say. Follow us on Instagram at The Brown Print Podcast or on Twitter at Brown Print Pod. Follow me, Carrie Champion, on IG and Twitter. Just at my name, Carrie Champion. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will, share it with your friends and family and help spread the word. We'd greatly appreciate it also if you showed us some love by leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. Only positive reviews, please. The Brown Print is a Gallery Media Group original production.